You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to The Ride in NFL DFS podcast lineup review for week 10. To start off, it was a 77 percentile week in head-to-heads. Um, actually, there was a super-duped lineup that I did not beat, which I think is the reason I was only 77% of head-to-heads. Um, played a bunch of the same lineup, and, um, you know, just it was one of those weeks where, you know, when it's a 2v2 or a 3v3, and you're making that decision, you're just going to play a lot of the same lineups. So it was a pretty duped lineup. It scored in the neighborhood of 151 or 152, I believe. Uh, My lineup was a 145. Uh, There was really no sweat uh, in the 4 o'clock games. I mean, I never... I thought I was going to have to. I even opened up DraftKings to... And I'm not someone who watches the green bar you know, all day long or anything like that. I enjoy the games. Sometimes I can't even watch the games because of the kids and things like that. But for the most part, you know, when I'm watching football on a Sunday, I am not, you know, looking at the currently winning go up and down like a crazy person. I'll check it a little bit before the four o'clock game start just to see if I need to swap anything um, and, and enter some, you know, afternoon lineups, things like that. But not watching the uh you know the white circle go left and right like a lunatic however when i did check in at uh like 350 or so uh was pretty far uh you know it was probably like a 90th percentile lineup um was was winning probably about 90 percent of my head-to-heads was almost you know at the very top of the double up. So I, I knew I was pretty much okay. And I really didn't drop too far back only having Devante and Jerry Judy left. So let's talk about some of the decisions that I thought um, were the right decisions at the time. Josh Allen over Dak Prescott, they were really the only two that I was considering. I just thought that Josh Allen had fewer paths to failure. Um, and I mean, if you listen, if you told me that Zeke was going to have two rushing touchdowns and the defense was going to block a punt and score a touchdown, in the first half, I would have told you that Dak, you know, went for 201 and absolutely crushed everybody's lineup. But he did end up getting there on uh, a rushing. Basically, what, what saved his day was a rushing touchdown when they were already up four touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, those are things that you have to account for, though. You know, Dallas doesn't pull Dak. They let him run the ball uh, and throw touchdowns when they're up 40 points. Good to know. Uh Actually, it was Josh Allen who had a little bit of run bad uh, with Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and Matt Breida scoring rushing touchdowns. Something that I did not think could occur in this Buffalo offense, but they had such a massive lead. They were just like handing out candy, um, just trying to get everybody a score, make everybody feel good, participate, participation trophy type thing going on at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. They ended up scoring about the same amount of DraftKings points, so it wasn't that big of a deal. It's just that I had $1,000 less to work with in my lineup then. At running back, uh, hopefully you checked out my 
4 for 4 article on Sunday morning. Switched up the core four a bit once Godwin was in and Kamara was out. Uh, switched Tyler Johnson to Mark Ingram. I mean, I, you know, I converse a little bit on Sunday morning with some people about who I think are, you know, the right plays. I'm always in the Discord on 4 for 4 discussing the slate and things of that nature. And, I mean, I wanted Dearness Johnson and Mark Ingram. They were locks for me. Both 47, 4,500. I mean, I don't, I couldn't really see them not being in my lineup. I did not want Ramondre Stevenson in my lineup. I know that it worked out. He ended up scoring three touchdowns. But, you know, he didn't practice all week. They have Brandon Bolden there, who has gotten work in the past. I was not sure that he was going to get a full workload or anything like that. So I did not, uh, I did not for one second consider Ramondre Stevenson in cash. Then Ben's ruled out and Marlon Mack is ruled out. And that kind of tipped the scales for me toward Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, and, and you know what? Taylor ran bad, like incredibly bad to not put up like a 45 point fantasy game. He basically had 100 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, you know, he ended up with like 24, 27, 27, I believe DK points. He had like 22 halfway through the second quarter. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the Jaguars just absolutely sold out to stop Taylor once he had a hundred yards and a touchdown in the first quarter, but definitely some run bad, uh, for Taylor there, but I was happy with those decisions. Uh, so what most people did was they played James Conner instead of Jonathan Taylor. And I just didn't see it. I mean, I, I realized that he was going to be in that backfield by himself pretty much. Although I did think, Eno Benjamin was going to kind of work in, which he did, but that Cardinals offense is not the same without Kyler Murray. The running lanes aren't the same without Kyler Murray. I know that Connor went for a massive 43-point performance last week. I think that kind of blinded some people. Connor, like, absolutely luck-boxed to get 15. He ran in an 11-yard touchdown on, you know, one of the Cardinals' last drives. I believe it was their last drive or maybe their second-last drive. But they were already being blown out. It wouldn't have been a shock to me if that was Eno Benjamin on the field and Connor's day was even done. Um, but for the bulk of the day, he had, like, he was sitting under eight fantasy points for much of the day. So I was kind of happy with my decision to go Jonathan Taylor over James Conner. The issue came in was locking myself into Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Adams meant that I had to pick two 5K wide receivers, and I chose Jerry Judy and Cole Beasley, and I chose poorly. Um, To be honest, though, like... Beasley had caught like 24 balls in the last three games. I felt like there not not much was going to change in this game, but it did. I mean, Gabriel Davis was uh Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders were working in more than Beasley, not really sure why. I think maybe Beasley was a little banged up with his ribs still because he wasn't even on the field for a lot of the time I was watching that game. Poor poor call. Um I like the Judy call. I, I don't think that was incorrect um he he looks really good he saw a ton of targets he ended up with like 12 dk points so that was fine um but yeah in the end the receivers are what bit me um when i look back on it 
you know, that 3v3 of James Conner, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen looks a lot better than Jonathan Taylor, Cole Beasley, Jerry Judy. Um, Probably should have played that for a 152 and just duped everybody and probably split like, or I should say pushed, you know, a quarter of my head-to-heads or whatever. Um, Dan Arnold, awesome. He's basically like a receiver these days. He's very trusted by Trevor Lawrence. He's their top guy. You know, when they need a conversion on third down, they go to him. Uh, so I think Dan Arnold, as long as he stays, his price stays somewhat under 4K, I'll keep going back to him every week. And the Titans defense uh, did a really solid job. They didn't let up some points at the end there that kind of ruined their uh, their bottom line for fantasy, but got the win, looked really good, you know, sacked Simeon a ton, uh, but just let up some points there. At the end, lesson learned. Listen, I looked back through the double-ups. I mean, there is still an edge to be had in double-ups. I know a lot of people say cash games are dead, um, but, you know, my, my most of my head-to-heads came down to a 2v2, um, you know, having Jonathan Taylor over James Conner or whatnot. You know, some people I played had cheap quarterbacks that didn't work out. Like Mason Rudolph, yeah, great. He's 4K. He got you 15 DK points. But at what opportunity cost, you know, not playing Dak and Josh Allen, who almost put up 30. And, you know, what you did by playing Rudolph is you got off of some of the cheap running back value that was a sure bet to outscore the duck-armed Mason Rudolph. Um, But yeah, like between 15 and 33% of players in double-ups did not roster Dearness Johnson. Between like 25 and 50% of people did not roster Mark Ingram. Um, Jonathan Taylor was like 20% owned. Like just some wild percentages this week. I understand if, you know, you wanted James Conner in your lineup. I don't think that was a bad play. Um, I probably actually made a bad play by going to Beasley, to be honest. But there was no way that I was getting off Jonathan Taylor. I really thought he was going to go for a monster number, and I didn't think Connor had that monster number in him. So I was willing to sacrifice uh, going down from a, like a a Mike Evans to a, a Cole Beasley to get up from James Connor to Jonathan Taylor. Could have been wrong in the end. It, I, it obviously in results was wrong because that lineup outscored me by seven. But no harm, no foul, sweep another week. Um, We are up to 73% of head-to-heads won on the year through 10 weeks. Has been, you know, super, super rock-solid season in cash game through 10 weeks. Um, You know, even the weeks that were not hitting that 55 percentile mark were at 39 or 52 and Really just have not had a week where like I absolutely got pantsed, which is doing wonders for the overall percentage of head-to-heads one. Let's stay hot. All right, quick. I mean, this is, I got kind of caught up in the uh, closing arguments of the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Not going to lie to you guys. So this is coming to you probably very close to the time that Monday Night Football is about to start. Right now it's about 530 PM. Um, so I apologize if you don't listen to this before Monday night football starts, but I will just in case somebody, some people listen to it immediately as it posts, give you the Monday night showdown thoughts. 
So without Robert Woods, I think that is a key element in this game tonight. Robert Woods often takes a few carries and some short targets away from Daryl Henderson. So I think Daryl Henderson is a sneaky captain tonight. You know, oftentimes Robert Woods is getting these jet sweeps. He has a couple rushing touchdowns on the year. Just the odds of Daryl Henderson being the optimal captain have, you know, increased, albeit slightly, they've increased just because Robert Woods is not on the field. So I like Daryl Henderson as a unique captain. Obviously, Cooper Cup is extremely expensive, but... You know, without Robert Woods, how much are an inexperienced in the Rams offense, Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson, going to take away from Cooper Cup? Not much at all. So I like Cooper Cup. I think you have to jam him in your lineups. And for this slate is like an extremely, extremely wide range of captains. Like I think Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle, Cooper Cup, Daryl Henderson, Van Jefferson, Matt Stafford. I, there's like eight or nine viable captains in this slate, which is not usually the case. Usually I can identify like three or four and run with it. Um, but there are a ton of uh, viable captains in this on this slate. Uh, I think you're just going to have to, you know, plant your flag. I love Brandon Ayuk and Van Jefferson as like middling captains where you can actually get them in your captain, and then jam in extra studs because they're so cheap. Uh, A unique captain is Daryl Henderson. I do like Daryl Henderson. And from there, you just have to correlate around those captains. Good luck in your Monday night football showdown contest. I will be back with a week 11 breakdown sometime later this week. See you guys.